Welcome to the Art Asper podcast. Today we have with us Ovanes Akopian. Welcome. Um, Ovanes is a postdoctoral research uh, in the University of Innsbruck, and he has recently published a book on uh, a study on the Disputaciones of Pico de la Mirandola, a subject that I'm quite interested in at the moment, and uh, provides us a fresh view on many uh, aspects of this uh, topic, of this, I think, high magnitude event that happened at the beginning of the early modern period. Well, once more, welcome, and thanks for accepting our invitation. Uh, hello, Luis. It's my pleasure to be today with you. And um, yeah, I'd be happy to discuss the book and uh, some other interesting things that um, I've been working on, and uh, I, I'd be happy to share some ideas about astrology and, let's say, beyond um, beyond this uh, particular field, let's say, uh, because I'm an intellectual historian of, of the Renaissance, so astrology is, is not my only focus, but uh, we can talk about that. Yeah, that's what I was wanting to ask you. Um, although you've been working with astrology because you've been working with Pico de la Mirandola's Disputaciones, but, but what's your broader uh, field of, of expertise? So you, you're, you're a Renaissance, uh, within the Renaissance intellectual history, you just said, what are your, your favorite topics or your topics of interest? Oh, there are so many of, of those. That's, that's my main problem, I would say. But uh, my research interests lie in the, in the intellectual history mm -hmm. of the Renaissance and uh, in the history of uh, cosmology broadly conceived. So not only astrology, but also astronomy and um, even Newtonianism, mm -hmm. uh, I've recently uh, written a paper about that. And, uh, and I'm also interested in, as a, a, a Russian person, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, oh, I would say a person raised in Russia. Mm -hmm. in the, I'm also interested in the transmission of European knowledge to, to, to Russia in the, in the 16th and 17th centuries. So I, I've been working on a lot of things recently and um, yeah, that's my burden on the one hand, but uh, that's, that's what makes my, my life uh, more interesting on the other, so yeah. Yeah, okay, very great, great. Well, the Renaissance has a lot to, to, to explore. It's, uh, well, every period of history it, it is really, but the Renaissance has a lot of changes in, in culture, mentality, conceptions of, of the cosmos. So a lot of work uh, to, to be done. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Yeah. definitely. Yeah. And of course, uh, now going to the point of the history of astrology, astrology pays, plays a, a larger part in all of these discussions, um, as you, you, you well know, uh, because uh, it is a large topic of the, the Renaissance and early modern period. The, the, the astrology and all the prohibitions and that's against astrology, those pro-astrology. So it is sometimes um, a major player that it's put a little bit of side by historiography until very, very late uh, um, in, the, in, the, in the early century. 
Yes, that's totally true. Yeah. That's totally true because it's still um, considered, let's say, prohibited discipline. Uh, uh, yeah, in modern scholarship as well. And uh, of course, for uh, a Renaissance uh, scholars, intellectuals, it was uh, an integral part of of, uh, of the curriculum. Mm -hmm. First of all, at uh, medieval and Renaissance universities, they taught uh, astrology uh, as astronomy, let's say so. And um, so, of course, it is very interesting to, to look back mm -hmm. at the destiny of astrology and uh, yeah, how, the, let's say, the, the changes, the transformations it went through in the early modern period. Mm -hmm. And I think in this respect, Pico's Disputaciones was a, uh, was a significant moment. Mm -hmm. And that's what I tried to, to show in the, in the book that uh, Pico was trying to sit mm -hmm. um, and try to explore many and respond to many intellectual trends of, of the time. Mm -hmm. That's what makes the the disputation is so significant for us, for modern researchers who are interested in uh, in astrology in particular, mm -hmm. and uh, in the Renaissance and in Renaissance thinking, let's say, yeah. in uh, in general. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always see it as, uh, like I said, a first magnitude event that um, ripples uh, throughout. Uh, the centuries, I would say, it still it still ripples today, um, uh, and and is one of the main forces uh, to that molds how astrology changes in the 16th and the 17th century. Um, I think he's one of the major players, and it's it's one of those work that is constantly um, cited, constantly referred to by not only those attacking, but also those uh, defending and, and, and making the apology of astrology uh, in order to practice. Um, before we go into yes, that, definitely. yeah, before we go into that a bit, I would like to ask you, how did you get into this topic? Um, how did you handle, how did you get yes, into so that, that's, that's a very funny question because I, I honestly have been working on Pico for, for the past 12, 13 years, I don't remember. I don't even remember. But um, I guess in my second year at Moscow State University, so not even at work, mm -hmm. I, I, I've always been interested in, in the Italian Renaissance, let's say. And I was choosing a topic I wanted to work on. Mm -hmm. And I was suggested to, uh, to have a look at Pico and Pico's, uh, Pico's works. Because back then in uh, in Russia there was no uh, major study, let's say, mm -hmm. about people, and so that's how my journey started. And uh, and then I again, but probably by my supervisor, I was suggested to to explore people's disputationes because apparently there were some some works on other. Mm -hmm writings, including the Oratio, the famous oration of the dignity of man, mm -hmm. and uh, even on the Heptopus, in which he uh, provides some sort of exegesis uh, yeah, of, of the first book of, of the Bible. So I decided to, to have a go with the Disputationes instead, 
and uh, so first I um, I did my MA at Moscow State University and then I embarked on a PhD uh, at the University of Warwick where I worked with uh, Maud van Helen uh, in the Center for Renaissance Studies or uh, it is called the, the Center for the Study of the Renaissance so yeah if we want uh, to, to be uh, to stay formal mm -hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, uh, I've been working on people for, for a long time and honestly, I've been a bit tired, uh, <laughs> but of course I keep returning to, to, to the figure and his work uh, all the time and uh, hopefully the, the book will be, let's say, um, not the first step, but the um, first major step towards uh, some reconsideration of Pico's um, mm -hmm. legacy, and uh, I'm currently contemplating uh, an opportunity of uh, preparing campaigning to Pico as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, yes. Um, and um, in what's your particular approach on Pico's <laughs> and astrology? Uh, because it has been a topic that has been discussed by, by various scholars. Um, what's your take on it? Because I know you yes. have a particular point of view. Yes, uh, I think that uh, in many respects, I, uh, I've been following what uh, other colleagues um, have done uh, so far, but I, my idea is to, to, to see behind um, the the huge figure of Pico, or the legendary figure in, in, many, in many ways. To see not only a, a, a critical astrologer, but also a humanist. Mm -hmm. And so my idea is to, uh, so basically um, by analyzing different texts in which he discusses astrology and other topics, including magic and uh, also Platonism, for instance, mm -hmm. I've come to to the conclusion that uh, there was a shift in his um, uh, not only views but also in his humanist method, mm -hmm. which um, which he developed in uh, so basically Pico lived uh, his uh, yeah, he lived from four, 1463 uh, to 1494, and uh, so he was active from 14. 1985, uh, let's say, mm -hmm. till his and uh, his death, and so the Disputationes was published posthumously. And uh, my idea is that uh, his his legacy wasn't something constant. He changed mm -hmm. um, significantly during the the nine years of his of his uh, work, and the the major point that. Um, illustrates this change was his work on, on the reconciliation of Platonism and um, Aristotelianism um, in the, the Ente et Uno of 1491. And uh, for him, the, unlike his el elder friend, Marcelo uh, Ficino, there was no tradition per se. Mm -hmm. um, there was no, there was no unified tradition of Platonism, Aristotelianism, and so on. 
Mm-hmm. And that was his idea. I mean, that was the background of his attack against astrology. That astrology was so embroiled in numerous problems, discrepancies within itself that no one can trust it, let's say. <laughs> so it wasn't a simple, let's say, Christian attack against astrology that it uh, contradicts Christian teachings and so on. But it was a pure humanist reading of, of the original sources um, uh, in which he tried to find these contradictions between astrological sources. Mm-hmm. And in this respect, it is Pico appears to be a, a humanist reader, a very accurate humanist reader. Um, I have my reservations I mean, about many aspects of Pico's uh, thought. For instance, I'm pretty sure he, he managed to sell his, himself as, a, for instance, a, as a person proficient in many languages that no one could check. Um, uh, and uh, but in in the end, um, we usually uh, we don't usually consider people to be as humanist as uh, I'm trying to show in this in this book. And so, in this respect, he uh, let's say embodies many many trends um, that were present at the time. First of all to purify Aristotle, mm-hmm. um, so and to restore Aristotle's authority that uh, was uh, questioned after the revival of Plato. And uh, so that's, there, there is a bridge to the 16th century in this respect. Then also the, uh, this question of, of constructing traditions of philosophy, which, for instance, was and this question was discussed in uh, Daniel Obishaw's book on uh, on the Platonic traditions in Marsilio Ficino. And uh, also, yeah, I think it also sheds some light on, on Pico's personality and on the development of his thought, uh, which um, have been overlooked, I mean, in my view, okay. in, uh, in modern scholarship. So, because we understand him as a, um, you know, um, he, we understand his thought as something constant, which uh, it wasn't. Yeah. 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 Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And why do you think he's focused on astrology? Because it is a large work and that is something that has puzzled uh, historians for quite some time but where suddenly you have this huge volume against astrology whilst his other works although some of them are larger but not nothing of that of that extent um what what's your view of course uh, this is <laughs> it's, it's more of an opinion about why why this focus on astrology why would it be particularly astrology to do this this kind of discussions because as you said even in a larger view of what he was trying to do he could have gone for another topic uh, yeah, yes i think uh, i mean, there could have been many reasons 
for PK astrology. I mean, we um, we don't know anything about that, okay. uh, unfortunately. Okay. But I mean, the easiest solution would be to blame uh, a subnormal, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, but I think that um, it. It would have been a simplification to think that Savonarola influenced Pico's take on astrology. I think that I mean we know that Pico was a was a tough guy. He did ignore his uh, friend Francis' opinions about everything. So he attacked poor Marcelo Piccino, who did nothing bad to Pico, and um, so I don't think he. He would have been guided by someone. Mm -hmm. uh, so in this respect, it was a let's say mutual interest rather than Savonarola's influence upon Pico. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say one direction influence. Uh, I think that I mean astrology interested him very much uh, in in his earlier writings. Of course, these weren't dedicated to astrology per se, but he dealt with the topic, um, yeah, in great length, and uh, so I think he was, you know, he was aware of, of the problems astrology had back then, and I think it also indicative of the larger context that, for instance, that's what Bob Westman investigates in his book, that because disputaciones was significant as an attempt to criticize and restore, in a way, the corrupt cosmology, because by the by the by the second half of the 15th century, we know that there were many theoretical nova planetarum in which um, uh, contemporary astronomers tried to solve Ptolemy's incorrect calculations. So it was a huge topic. Um, under discussion back then. So I think it is indicative of this larger trend on the one hand. And on the other, I believe that Pico, for, for Pico, it was much easier to, because of these discrepancies in astronomy, let's say, astronomy slash astrology. Astrology was a very convenient field uh, uh, to to apply this new method of reading traditions, mm -hmm. to, to understand what tradition actually was. Yeah. And so it was, a, let's say, an early attempt to purify this notion or to reconsider this notion. We know, for instance, that he, he intended to do, to do something similar with regard to Plato and Aristotle, <laughs> uh, which uh, he never uh, realized. But I think that was one of the steps towards this yeah. general reconsideration of tradition. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And, and astrology is also one of those subjects that is always a bit sensitive to, to, to discussion. I think, uh, as you said, it's, it's a convenient. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Convenient, definitely. A convenient definitely. point of discussion. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm sorry to say one, one yeah. more thing. I, I also think that given that he was very much interested in purifying Aristotle, for instance, mm -hmm. yeah, 
purifier is sort of off cross from logical interpretations of, let's say, medieval Islamic and Christian uh, authors. Um, that, that, that is also indicative of a larger uh, context. Yes. So it, it wasn't exclusive of, let's say, practical astrology, mm -hmm. but also about natural philosophy in general. What is natural philosophy? What should we do about that? And given that the the revival, the revival of Platonism um, questioned, challenged the dominance of Aristotle's teaching. Pico's take in this respect was very significant as well. Yes. Yeah, and it, what 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 I've been sometimes discussing with with other other scholars, which is interesting, that he attacks exactly the the way that astrology does not respond completely to Aristotelian science. Um, mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, astrology was, for the most part, justified by uh, Aristotelian philosophy. So it's a strange uh, clash uh, of ideas here because what he's saying is that this is not purely Aristotelian. There are a lot of things being mixed here, although astrology and the astro astrologers and practitioners always claim the validity of astrology by associating it strongly with proper uh, Arist accepted Aristotelian uh, science. Um, so I, I always found that interesting. And, and somewhat ironic uh, in the sense that you're, he's attacking the very core that is defending astrology. So, so it's, it's quite an interesting uh, point. And um, he does propose or does hint of some, some ways that astrology could be changed. Um, I remember you were addressing that at some point in your papers. Yes. yes. To a, be more coherent with Aristotelian mm -hmm. The physics. Yeah, he doesn't deny that, let's say, the stars uh, might influence uh, human uh, humans in general, but without the, um, the astrological intent, let's say. Mm -hmm. So he admits uh, what basically Aristotle says in his uh, physical, uh, yeah, in a variety of physical treatises. And uh, But that's interesting how he chooses particular authorities, let's say. I mean, that's another important word in, in, in his discussion and in his understanding of what astrology is, authority. Um, so, um, Thomas Aquinas, uh, Augustine, Aristotle, Ptolemy. I mean, the idea is to, to get rid of what their interpreters made of them and to go to go back at let's say at fontes. Mm -hmm. yeah, so we we consider them not as as a part of a larger tradition, mm -hmm. but as individual authors, which seems to be quite um, oh, I don't know unique mm -hmm. and uh, groundbreaking for the period mm -hmm. in general. And uh, so, for instance, he uh, he accuses Ptolemy of, uh, yeah, distorting the essence of uh, Aristotle's uh, natural teachings. But at the same time, he accuses his followers of distorting Ptolemy. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's a bit in the idiosyncratic, but uh, that's a very interesting approach. And um, yeah, 
in a really groundbreaking approach. Yeah. And also humanist. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a sign of uh, of Pico's humanism, not as a you know as a proponent of uh, human dignity, uh, yeah. whatever uh, this means. Uh, and Brian Copenhaver has perfectly shown that this question uh, is much more difficult than than usually thought. Um, but uh, yeah, he's a real humanist reader. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going for that um, purity of sources, the, the 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 reconstruction of the pristine uh, philosophy, astrology. Yes, yes. Cosmology. And sometimes, of course, he um, manipulates his sources, which is very funny, given that he pretends to be, uh, you know, for purity, but. Mm-hmm. That's Pico, what can you do? <laughs> that, that is a question I was going to ask because he's mo- most of the time accused exactly of that, of tweaking the sources a little bit and, and being very selective towards what he wants, which I think it's something that will pop up in, in, in many authors, but uh, that's one of the things that he says, a bit um, deceiving in, in, that, in that regard. Yeah. Mm. Yes, that's totally true, and again, it, I think it is another argument against his, well, I wouldn't say his genius because he was a very talented man, mm-hmm. but against the the image we we still have mm-hmm. uh, about him, the way we understand him. Uh, he was, a, I would say, as a person, I mean, I've been reading some, some stuff about him for, for a while, and I understand he, he, he wasn't a, let's say, pleasant man. <laughs> Um, yeah, very controversial and very, in in some ways, quite arrogant uh, uh, as well. And um, yeah, so I think it, if we dismiss the idea that he was a proper genius and he should be forgiven for, you know, for making mistakes, it's it's a much more integral and interesting picture we we have in the end. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He he is a, um, a very interesting figure, and he ended up being poisoned. I think that that was ever proven, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it seems so. Yes. Yeah, and he's he's like you said, he's one of those figures that historiography, early historiography sort of put uh, like the great one of the great heroes, you know, the great hero of, of humanism. So it is a lot of, there's a lot of distortion around the true perception of who he was as a person. And his works are again amplified uh, to that hero worship um, historiography. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think sometimes, and this is something Elena and I discussed, uh, the disputation is sometimes even have a, a hint of he was mad at someone or he did that to annoy someone, there's this impression, you know, it's so meticulous and obsessive with things that does played out this impression. He was mad at someone and he decided, no, I'm going to to do this. Uh, <laughs> to yes, annoy. yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, and that's very interesting because even in, in some secondary studies, for instance, I I'm recalling one a very good monograph about Pico in French by Fernand Rouillet, uh, in which this author states that Pico had, I mean, lost all the energy and uh, yeah, the energy 
he had had before, mm -hmm. before let's say, um, during the Roman trial, this Roman affair, uh, when, during which he wanted to present the 900 conclusions, and then uh, the tax was banned, and he, he was persecuted, and so on. Yeah. Um, but I think he was as energetic as uh, he had been uh, before. Simply his energy changed in a way. And uh, so he he wasn't, you know, he couldn't be pictured anymore as a proponent of humanism or yeah, whatever. Um, but um, a more radical and uh, sometimes aggressive writer, because again, what he did to Porficino uh, I mean, he constantly attacked him, mm -hmm. and apparently Ficino was a uh, was a much nicer person, mm -hmm. and he didn't take it well, and so it caused some tensions even with uh, with close friends. Yeah. So. Yeah, something happened there that that caused him to change. Yes. Perhaps yes. we don't know exactly what. Yeah. Um, Another topic that I, I've seen in, in in your book, well, I've seen in the index so far, um, is um, you discuss the defenses against people, uh, which is, which I found very interesting, and I'm quite eager to read because I've been saying for a long time that we have a lot of focus on what Pico did, and very little analysis and storiography on the report, the response that astrologers and, and the, the intellectual community had to his attack on astrology, which was quite swift. Um, I, I'm not sure about the dates, but I know that there is a tweet is immediately after the Disputationis comes out, you have uh, at least two treatises uh, against uh, his uh, his sayings, um, and you address that. Yes. Yes. Yes, my, my, my main point, because basically we have some wonderful studies about um, the reception of the Disputationes in the long run, let's say, in uh, Bob Westman's book and uh, in uh, Shayla Rabin's uh, works and, and so on. But um, my focus was on, on the immediate reception. Mm -hmm. So I... I chose six cases uh, centered on, on those who either responded immediately after the publication of, uh, of, of the text mm -hmm. or were there when the, the debate aroused. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, uh, so some of them, like chronologically, I have absorbed the, uh, this Venetian Kabbalist humanist who, in my view, responded to the Disputations in 1525, and another very interesting case of the reception of this work in, uh, in early 16th century Russia, but both of them were somehow connected to Pico and this Russian author. Uh, was um, worked for John Francesco Pico, for instance. So he was he was there um, when the uh, yeah the discussion <laughs> yes and uh, arose and that was yeah 
that was my main point. Because of course after that people sometimes they didn't uh, they didn't respond to to Pico let's say uh, exclusively by to the interpretations of Pico's interpretation. Mm -hmm. So that that makes things more complicated. So yes, uh, I have uh, three short chapters on on the immediate, let's say, negative perception mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. yes. And who do you say makes the more, how shall I put this, elegant or sophisticated response uh, to, to the disputaciones? Who do you think? Tupico. Yeah, to pickle. Who, who? Among the three, I would say Pontano. Mm -hmm. But uh, I have like Bellanzi, who, who was the first person to challenge the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the authorship of the Disputationes. Mm -hmm. uh, so he, he cast doubt uh, uh, on, on the authenticity of the work. And uh, this, his point uh, was replicated many times mm -hmm. during uh, the 16th century, for instance. Mm -hmm. Then uh, Pontano and Zorzi. But I have shown that basically uh, they they stood on i mean on the same grounds mm -hmm. but with the, with the use of different sources so they all advocated um, some kind of christian of astrology um, the idea that astrology could be useful for uh, for the benefit of, uh, of christian teaching mm -hmm. yeah. but uh, for well, Belanti, I mean, Belanti used medieval sources mm -hmm. uh, for the most part. Um, Pontano used ancient sources, Ptolemy and um, uh, ancient poetry to, to justify this position. And Zordi did so with the use of Kabbalistic neoplasonic sources. Okay. But the core of their attack was, was more or less the same. Mm -hmm. But if I mean, if you are interested in the most elegant way, I would say Pontano because he was a better uh, writer, uh, better humanist, uh, poet, and so on. And of course, uh, he was by far the most influential because, I mean, he controlled the intellectual landscape of uh, contemporary Naples. Uh, yes, so. Yeah, it's a major figure. And it, it is, uh, it's, it's constantly cited throughout um, the, yeah. the 16th and and even the 17th century as um, someone who argue against and I see that constantly. I, I'm studying more late 16th century and early 17th century sources, and you can see that it's still there. Uh, and and the, at the same time, Pico, which is already quite old, uh, more than a century old at that time, is still being used as something that was said yesterday and it's still valid and this yes, is yes, yes. the power of his impression yeah and they they don't even acknowledge the attackers it's 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 easy they don't even acknowledge um the defenses that were made uh, of course it's not convenient for them to do so uh but it's interesting and 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 the main attacks are always Let's say the scientific and philosophical point of view, which is because mainly, and they replicate the, 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 his argumentations, or as you said, the interpretation of his argumentations. And then you have the religious uh, aspect, 
which stands on its own with Augustine or, or um, uh, Aquinas uh, being the, the main contenders here. And, and it's still fresh and I think it's um, quite a, a, a powerful impact, um, which um, in my view, and uh, I'm working a lot, me Ellen uh, and I are on the techniques and how the techniques develop, and I'm working particularly in the early modern period, and you can see that there is a driving force propelled by the disputationist, but not so. The reply to the disputationist for that Christian astrology that you were mentioning starts to shape the, the very practice of astrology and the the core doctrine of astrology. And that's, I think, I think it's fascinating. And it's one of my major um, research topics at this point. And you see them adapting, discarding, creating new approaches to accommodate to all this discussion. And that's why I think uh, it's very, it's very powerful. It's a very powerful historical event within the history of astrology. And I'm glad it's, uh, that I'm glad you, you you gave a new approach to it uh, and contribute, and I'll be I'll be looking forward to reading your okay. your book as soon as it's properly available <laughs> in all formats. Um, and I would want to ask you also, uh, what are your future projects from now on? How 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 are we going to to proceed now? Are you still going with Pico or some aspects of this research, or are you moving on to other fields? <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, on the one hand, I mean, I, as I already mentioned, I I, um, I would be happy to get rid of, of my Pico past, uh, but uh, he keeps returning, and uh, now I, yeah, I mean, I'll be working on, on him, um, but it, I think it will be um, a side thing in, uh, in a way. But if uh, the companion to Pico uh, materializes, I hope uh, yeah, I'll invest a lot of um, effort into this in this project. But I'll keep you posted about that. And, but it, I mean, of course, it won't appear uh, yeah shortly because with edited collection you always have to wait for ages to get papers and this kind of stuff. But yeah, um, that's part of our life. But um, here in Innsbruck, I'm a member of the of the ERC Advanced uh, Grant Project mm -hmm. uh, on uh, Latin and Early Modern Scientific Literature, mm -hmm. and uh, here I work on a, on my second monograph, which is a bit uh, different from from my previous interest in, in astrology, but it I mean it touches upon some some aspects of astrological thinking in. Early modern period, and the monograph is about um, um, different explanations and the strategies with which early modern scholars explain and describe natural disasters. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the main idea of the project is to look uh, into the text, in, into the early modern scientific texts, not as scientific, but texts, let's say. So structured in accordance with certain rules, um, techniques, and so on, aimed to convince the reader or, I don't know, the general reader um, that his or her position mm -hmm. is correct and should be favored over someone else's position. 
So that's that's my current project, and uh, so that's my monograph. But of course, I have a lot of things uh, going on. For instance, with uh, Pietro Modeo, it is somehow related to to astrology. Where I'm currently editing a special issue on it's called deconstructing or constructing um, authority in early modern cosmology. Mm-hmm. Um, so. The, the idea is to, I mean, we know, or we've been taught that uh, mathematization of natural knowledge in, in the early modern period changed the, the notion, mm-hmm. transformed the notion of authority. But our collection aims to demonstrate that, in fact, the notion was still in force and uh, people uh, carefully constructed their authority to prove their point, and uh, so it wasn't enough to, you know, to provide correct mathematical calculations. Yeah. You had to do certain work to mm-hmm. convince the reader that you uh, were uh, were right, and uh, so it will appear uh, hopefully shortly with uh, perspectives on science, the, the American Journal, mm-hmm. and for this collection, I, I've. Uh, contributed a chapter on on another topic which interests me a lot and I hope to write another book in due course about that uh, on uh, Renaissance and very modern theories of tides, sea tides yeah. because it might seem to be a, let's say a marginal problem but in fact all major authorities uh, in cosmological matters uh, Galileo Newton, Descartes, uh, Pico uh, were concerned with this topic and uh, tried to to explain, for instance, Galileo. That was his. I mean, that was the starting point for his for his cosmology. Yeah. Uh, the main argument in favor of Copernicanism. Yeah. And uh, so that I contributed a chapter on on the reception of Newton's theory of tides mm-hmm. in the Jesuit order in the, in the 18th century. So as you can see, my my interests uh, are broad, broad yeah. <laughs> even more. But I think that's a very interesting topic. And uh, yeah. I'm now considering writing a follow-up uh, article with a colleague from Innsbruck, because it seems that for, for the Jesuit scholars in, uh, in 18th century Rome, Newton was a very convenient, another word I've been using often uh, today, convenient authority and convenient shield mm-hmm. to talk about Copernicus. Okay. So basically they explained the Copernican system mm-hmm. by propagating a Newton, a Newton's theory of gravitation. Because, I mean, you can't avoid Copernicanism while talking about um, yeah, but... <laughs> and so basically they explained to, to mm-hmm. their readers what the Copernican system was mm-hmm. by um, you know without the fear of being persecuted mm-hmm. for heresy because yeah the, the they this famous know. uh pro and yeah these decrees yeah. were still in uh, in place yeah, yeah. So that's I think that's uh, that's a very interesting thing and uh, yeah.
Yeah, no, that it is. It is indeed. Uh, and right there, you're, you're intercepting a little bit with, with um, what I'm studying right now, which is a bit early with the Jesuits as well, which is the Jesuit um, use of astrology, uh, and which has been most for most time for historiography put aside and completely said no, they couldn't. It was forbidden. They wouldn't do it. And there are a lot of evidences that they did, and I could I found found them a lot of them. Uh, Magnificent. So we, we we have something to to collaborate yeah. <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, and well, you are on the limit timeline, the, the, my timeline, where yeah. already astrology is falling apart and it's getting out of, of course, the the, the academic uh, scenario, uh, the Jesuits uh, included, and new ideas are entering in, and and it's it's, it's a nice interception. So perhaps. One day, <laughs> after I yes, finish yeah. my PhD, which will be soon, um, we can perhaps do some kind of interchange on, on that matter. Okay. Yeah, I'd be happy to. It would be a pleasure. Okay, well, um, thank you very much. I don't want to keep you. you too long and to keep the interview too long. Uh, um, again, congratulations for, for the publishing of your work. Um, we have already announced it in the, in the Astra uh, project website. And uh, Thank you. I think it will be an excellent contribution. And uh, the best of luck for your, your new avenues of research. Uh, and please keep us posted. Uh, cosmology, uh, what um, tides, whatever, so it's always interesting. And you know, there's always things that compose our knowledge of, of, of science and, and how things, how cosmos is perceived. So it's always interesting to yeah. know. Yeah, I, I definitely will, and uh, thank you very much for, for your kind invitation and for having me today, and uh, yeah, it was a real pleasure to discuss oh. the book and other um, issues. Yes, and perhaps we can return another time uh, for another of these discussions. Happy to. Yeah, thank you very much. Take care. <laughs>